When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Yesterday, so many people talking once again about the rising cost of petrol, the rising cost of diesel. We know the government moved in with an intervention on uh, Tuesday night from midnight to cut excise duty on petrol by 20 cent and diesel by 15 uh, cent. Uh, But nobody yesterday seeing any evidence of uh, that. And then, of course, we had so many people saying that the prices had been hiked multiple times over the last number of days. So even when the 20 cent and the 15 cent was applied it wasn't going to make any difference because prices had gone so high and then there was lots of talk about price gorging and was it possible that some of the petrol stations were deliberately putting up the price I mean we even had our own Taoiseach Micheál Martin coming out and saying you know if there was any evidence of price gorging he says it was barbarically cruel to do it knowing that people are under so much pressure and certainly yesterday a lot of listeners were saying do we not have some kind of a, a competition authority, some group representing consumers that can check out these garages and see if some garages are doing uh, price gorging and are deliberately putting up the price, particularly when they knew the government, you know, the dogs on the street knew from probably late on Monday, but certainly all day Tuesday, we were talking about the fact that the government was going to be introducing this 15 cent and 20 cent uh, reduction. And people were saying, was it just a coincidence then that some four courts raised their prices? by almost the same amount in uh, some uh, cases. So I decided to uh, take a look and see what the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission, what do they have to say for it? And a lot of the newspapers had the very same idea because I see them mentioned in a lot of papers today. And the Consumer... Uh, the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission, they're the state's consumer watchdog and they've admitted that they're powerless to clamp down on any price gorging by petrol and diesel retailers, even though we have inflation in this country at a 21 year high. Now, a lot of politicians uh, right across the government yesterday on all sides, both in the government and in the opposition parties, were all demanding that the Competition and Consumer Protection uh, Commission carry out some kind of an investigation as motorists from all over the country were reporting massive increases at the pumps. But the CCPC came out and said, sorry guys, we have no authority to stop fuel retailers from dramatically increasing costs because it does not have a role in monitoring price levels across the economy. Businesses in Ireland 
They explain have the power to decide how much they will charge consumers for products. That means that the CCPC, who are the watchdog, who are the government and states watchdog for consumers, does not have a role in reviewing or approving price increases. They say in a very specific circumstances where businesses form a cartel are they collude to fix prices, then the CCPC can investigate. And, if, and we know that that's happened in the, in the past. There has been cartels, there has been price fixing. But then and only then can a, can a case be referred to the DPP. But individual business owners can set a price for whatever their service, products, whatever it is, they can charge what they want to the consumers. Now, I know all of the garages will say there's, they're not involved in uh, price uh, gorging, but many people were suspicious the way the prices went up, particularly on the eve of the government announcing that they were going to be introducing the cut to excise duty. Dermot Jewell, who's a fantastic man on behalf of the Irish Consumers Association, he has said that where people noticed a sharp increase, that they should report the details to that Competition and Consumer Protection Committee. Not that they're saying they can't do much, but I suppose if they get enough people complaining about it, Dermot Jewell then went on to say, well, there's little else motorists can do. He is urging consumers, if you feel for sure that the ga- that your garage has deliberately put up prices, he's saying that people should move their businesses elsewhere. And, uh, you know, he's urging business, he's urging consumers also to very much shop around and this loyalty to one garage. And lots of us have loyalty to a garage because it's probably the most convenient, it's the nearest one to you. But if you suspect them of price gorging, the Dermajula is saying drive on by and go to another garage. And I was reading in the Independent I think it was this morning a lot of the papers are doing this they're sort of they went around the country just trying to do comparisons and take a look at what prices were like in one garage in Cork yesterday diesel was as high as €2.22 per uh, litre while petrol was on sale at €2.15 per litre and that was just in one garage in Cork yesterday and then elsewhere in Cork you had other garages some with the very from the same same branded network were selling fuel at €1.95 in Tipperary it passed the 2.20 mark for diesel early yesterday morning and in another branded garage just across the road it was on sale for one ninety eight. so I mean if you're looking at two garages across the road from, from each other and one is selling at two twenty a litre and across the road is at 198 a litre I certainly know where I would be going but you need to keep a look at the four courts and they're up there great big signs it's very easy to spot what the garage is selling petrol or diesel at one garage owner though said customers need to understand that pricing is not just down to opportunism there was one garage in Donegal quoted in the papers as uh, saying he will not be able to reduce his prices until at least next Sunday. It's because he had already received the fuel delivery with the old duty on it. However, he said on the flip side, they didn't increase the price on their last delivery. They were taking the hit. So some garages are trying to do their very best. And we did hear of other garages yesterday once they got a fill in yesterday. And of course, a busier garage, say, in in a large urban area inside the city. We found out yesterday from the AA that they can get up to three deliveries a day, whereas a small garage in Donegal, 
would have got their delivery during the week and they won't need another delivery because they won't have as many customers until at least next Sunday and it's only them when they get it in with the new excise duty rate on it that they will be able to uh, reduce it. Other suppliers say that the cut in excise duty won't make any difference. Why? Because the wholesale price of fuel has risen regardless of what the government decides to do with uh, excise. And I know in a couple of minutes we're going to be hearing some from some of the Fianna Gael backbenchers at a parliamentary party meeting yesterday were f- f- are calling on the government to do more and feeling that the excise duty of 20 cent and 15 cent redu- reduction really isn't enough. And and I know I mentioned yesterday that I really have feel sorry for anyone who drives for a living or that their business in some way needs to use a lot of. In the main, it is uh, diesel because they are just seeing soaring costs and no end in sight of it uh, coming down. And in the papers today, one of the country's main construction unions are now warning that building sites could come to a halt next week. And this is down to the soaring fuel costs. The Irish Plant Contractors Association, now they employ more than 40,000 members. They're made up of truck drivers and digger drivers and machinery operators. The union say that their members were responsible for the movement on every building site in the country. And of course, if you look at the building sites, there's about 140,000 construction workers who would be affected if all building sites had to shut down. So the Irish Plant Contractors Association say their members will will stop all work next week. Why? Because fuel prices have almost tripled recently and they reckon they haven't had sufficient relief from the government. They're arguing that the cuts to the price of petrol, diesel and green diesel not going far enough and members can no longer afford to fill their machines. And they give the example of one contractor. Now, this is a large contractor They have 400 digger machines obviously working all over the country. Their fuel costs per month are normally around €300,000. That's what they they would pay. That has now gone to over £500,000 per month and that's just based on the diesel costs rising week on week. So the two cent they would have the green diesel, the two cent per litre on the green diesel to businesses like that, it's just not viable and they're fearful that it could lead to the closure of business building sites from next week. Something is going to have to be done about it and another one I thought about is coach companies and we're coming into the usually from St. Patrick's Day is usually the start of our tourism season in this country and we're really hoping because of what's happened for the last two years with COVID, remember COVID? And we're only coming out of that and we're hoping for you know, a really good tourism season this year and a lot of our tourists will need to travel around on buses. So you would have to feel for coach uh, uh, companies and of course coach companies outside of tourism season, one of their big work contracts are the running of school buses and I read today that school bus services are at risk. The transport industry hugely concerned about the impact of the rising prices of the sector but school buses are seen as particularly vulnerable. School transport operates on very tight margins as it is and companies that run the school buses are generally tied into contracts that don't allow for increased costs to be recovered. There isn't any way that they can increase the bus trips 
they get paid at the start of the year and it's the rate is agreed and that's it. And remember, private coaches account for 90% of all school bus journeys in this uh, country. So what the school, the coaches who operate the school buses are saying they're looking for some kind of a special intervention to be put in place. They're saying something similar was put in place for COVID when they needed additional funds allocated for the likes of the cleaning of the buses and the PPE equipment that was needed by the bus escorts and by the bus uh, drivers. Bus operators say they need the extra revenue to cover the higher fuel costs. They say it's nothing about making a profit. They just need it in order to be able to pay the uh, wages. So there really is a lot of knock on effects from the rising costs of fuel. And I know already this morning I've had a WhatsApp in and this is very much to do with keep an eye on the forecourts when you're buying your petrol or diesel. Michael says, Patricia, I was on my travels yesterday. I found diesel in the Pike in Clonakilty at 189.9. It was the cheapest en route back to the Bearer Peninsula. Without hesitation, the carbon tax will have to be put on the back burner until the present situation is under under control, or should I say Eamon Ryan, Transport Minister, Green Party, is under control, definitely paused or at least deferred for six months. And I think so say all of us. Thank you for that, Michael. A couple of people are asking, including Michael in Bantry. Morning, Patricia. Do you know when we're getting the fuel allowance, the extra lump sum, the €125, Euro, it is to be paid out from next week. So you'll get it with your normal social welfare payment from next week, starting Monday the 14th of March so next week I know they'd initially said early in March to me that is more mid-March so from next week and then Margaret says morning Patricia just got my ESB by electricity bill yesterday didn't get the rebate that was promised for the March bill Uh, thanking you that's from Margaret yeah that there also is a bit of a delay on that they are starting to pay out that 200 euro rebate which will come out in your bill at 176 is what it'll 170 I think 76 or 72 but it works out at 200 euro because the VAT is factored in as well. It's from the bills issued from April onwards Margaret so you're going to have to wait your next bill in two months time you'll see the uh, credit on your electricity on that one. Uh, Jim says the price of diesel is crazy but Jim has another worry. He reckons the quality of diesel at the moment isn't great. Jim said, I've been having problems with injectors in my van lately. And when I took it to my mechanic, my mechanic says he's been seeing a lot of similar problems and he reckons it's down to dirty diesel. Jim says it's bad enough to be paying a high price for it without it costing repairs to your vehicle as well. Anybody else noticing that or any other mechanics verifying that? There seems to be some dirty diesel out there. Thank you for your text, uh, Jim. And a listener says, Hi Patricia, just to let you know, good news on this Friday morning, Graham Norton's holding, which of course was filmed in West Cork last summer and we were putting shout outs for extras and there was much excitement. It's starting on ITV next Monday night, the 14th of March at nine o'clock. Oh, fantastic. Now, I just have a problem. I don't get, I've got Sky and I don't have ITV. I think there's a way around that. I need to find out Are Virgin Media going to be showing it as well? Because not everybody has ITV, but if you have ITV, a lot of people will be interested in that. Graeme Norton's, the TV series based on Graeme Norton's book, Holding, next Monday at 9 o'clock. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. And he is... 
um, holding Irish dates will be revealed at a later date. Okay. All right, so so Virgin Media, and it is Virgin Media, isn't it? Yeah, it will be Virgin Media, will be showing it. Okay, so for now, it's just on ITV starting next Monday night. But if you don't have ITV, because I certainly, I'm on the Sky system and I don't have ITV. So if you don't have ITV, we're going to have to wait until it comes at, onto Virgin Media, but it will be revealed at a later date. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, Farm Life and Health Insurance CMIG.ie Thank you to a huge number of people I said that I have Sky and that I don't get ITV you can tune in ITV on your Sky box thank you for that I'll have to get somebody with a bit of knowledge at home to tune it into me I'm not the most technical but thank you huge number of people uh, pointed that out but yes it will be shown eventually on uh, Virgin Media for those who don't have access to Sky now I know John Paul has been frantically trying in the background to to get through to Katrina Toomey. We're hoping to speak with Katrina on the programme this morning. We last spoke with her on Tuesday as she was embarking on this incredible journey to bring humanitarian aid to the people of Ukraine. We were speaking with her before we came on air uh, this morning, but we're now having difficulty getting through to her, but we will keep trying. But while we're waiting to try to get through to Katrina and hopefully we'll speak with her at some stage during the programme this morning. Just a couple of emails in about the situation and what's going on in uh, Ukraine including one from Brendan to say Patricia I am shocked by the Russian Federation's invasion of the independent state and country that is the, the Ukraine and its effects upon its citizens no issues there at all however I'm disappointed with the reaction of some of your listeners to the show some of whom supported the man who rammed the Russian embassy's gates and even some of your listeners wishing that President Putin was standing behind the truck at the time violence breeds violence. Don't we in Ireland know that only too well? We have upset the Russians this year by protesting successfully about their naval exercises off the west coast of Ireland. We have now breached the Vienna Convention by not protecting the embassy sufficiently at a time when it was clear it was at risk. Tit for tat for any Irish diplomatic premises in Moscow is now always a possibility. And there's a campaign now to thumb our noses at the Russians by renaming the road in Dublin where the embassy is located to Ukraine Street or something similar. I am certainly not a Russian apologist but nothing is settled by the sabre rattling. We are a strategic target on the west of Europe uh, ourselves for Russian aggression and we must never forget about that. Um, and I know and what you're talking about in with the renaming of the street, this is what's is, this came out from Dunleary Rathdown County Council. They voted in favour this week of renaming Orwell Road. Now Orwell Road is the location of the Russian embassy. So at the moment if you want to write to the ambassador or you want to write to somebody at the Russian embassy, you would be putting Russian embassy, Orwell Road, Dublin, whatever. I don't know what postcode it is in uh, Dublin. But the idea is that instead the county council in Dublin are saying change the Orwell Road and instead change it to Independent Ukraine Road. So it would mean that all letters addressed to the embassy, including it would mean they'd have to change their headed paper to Russian Embassy Ireland Independent Ukraine Road uh, Dublin. Now, they 
the council themselves can't do it. There'd have to be a plebiscite of the business owners and the residents. And I have to say, since it was first suggested, because it's happened, by the way, other countries have done this, where they have a Russian embassy. They've changed the name of the road. Zelensky Street, I think one country, changed their road where the Russian embassy is, or, you know, this independent Ukraine is another one. But not all of the residents are happy, so I don't know. It will have to pass over 50% of the residents will have to say yes to the plebiscite because it's only the residents can change the name of a, a street. But Brendan reckons it's the wrong way to go and it's just we're being antagonistic to the uh, Russians. I don't know. Um, um, would people agree with Brendan or are people with the councillors in Dunleary, Rathdown County Council who have suggested uh, it. It would be a way of saying to the Russian people that we here in Ireland are very much supportive and very much behind Ukraine and that Ukraine is an independent state. Your thoughts welcomed on that. Thank you for your email, Brendan, to Patricia at c103.ie. And Tony also writing about the conflict in Ukraine. So, hi, Patricia. I felt the need to put in writing my thoughts and feelings about the current conflict in Ukraine. I'm a veteran with over 20 years service in both the Irish Defence Forces and after that as a member of NATO. I have been to many areas of conflict, Bosnia, Iraq, Kosovo and Afghanistan, not to mention other places. I've seen firsthand the devastation, the destruction and the misery that conflicts, i.e. war, causes. Seeing the recent events unfold in Ukraine have brought a lot of feelings and emotions flooding back to me, which I'd locked away in the back of my mind. The destruction, the misery that's been inflicted on the Ukrainian people by Russia is nothing more than a war crime. People need to know that NATO will not get involved unless an incident occurs with a NATO member. Putin has gone so far and he will not turn back now. The only way forward is either the Russian people rise up and remove him from power or the Ukrainian people win this fight for freedom and democracy. They are getting the weapons they need to win and more and more foreign fighters are answering the call. I myself, if a few years younger and not having health issues, would also have gone. People who do decide to assist Ukraine in their struggle should be aware, however, that the International Legion, in my opinion, would not fight as a unit, but more than likely be broken down into smaller teams called hunter squads and be directly in contact with Russian forces and mercenaries as they will have the knowledge of how to use the weapons being provided by the EU countries. This is going to become an urban warfare conflict where the fighting is going to be up close and personal. I know that there are Irish nationals who have left to join the fight, but they should not be wearing the Irish tricolour on their uniforms as they're not going out to fight on behalf of Ireland. And if captured, they could be used by Russia as pawns in whatever games they decide to play. I hope and pray that all those caught up in this thing prevail and that Ukraine remains a free democratic country. And actually, I saw a young man. He was on uh, on live line with Joe Duffy uh, during the week, a young gentleman by the name of Reese Burr. 26, 27 year old and he's gone out his mother was on was on the line as well uh, talking about him I just thought how brave and actually Tony the point Tony makes that they shouldn't have the tricolour I actually saw photographs of, of him as with Fionn Sheen of the Irish Independent as he was about to cross they had to walk the last section of their journey uh, walking from Poland and walking into Ukraine where he's signed up to join this 
international legion to fight with to fight with the Ukrainian army, and he he does have the tricolor on his army out, uh, outfit. I, I clearly saw that this morning. But all we can do is uh, hope that he does return safely along with the other Irish soldiers who are very, very brave people indeed to actually sign up to go to uh, war. 0818103103 and just a couple of things that are happening. Uh, people are organising events in aid of uh, Ukraine. There is a bake sale in aid of Ukraine. It's happening tomorrow. You're invited to join for coffee, cake and chats in the Lyre Hall uh, tomorrow between 3pm and 9pm. There'll be face painting for kids from half three to six, a raffle with fantastic prizes and all proceeds are going to the Red Cross and to UNICEF. So good luck to everybody there from three to nine tomorrow in Lyre Community Centre. And of course, we here at C103, we have our own campaign running with all proceeds going to the Irish Red Cross. You can go to our our own website, c103.ie forward slash eight. And we're asking people to donate. And I know so far across our radio stations, people have been extremely generous. And if you have already donated, thank you so, so much. John Paul's taking your calls 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Following yesterday's All Ireland Transition Year Drama Festival finals, today it's the turn of the second level Light Entertainment Festival final. The finals have been held in the Palace Theatre in Formoy, and joining me, the special celebrity judge who is a uh, singer Jake Carter. Good morning to you, Jake. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks for having me oh, on. Uh, great to talk to you. Now, I, I know the finals get underway at 12 noon today, so I'm watching the clock. We, we certainly won't make it, <laughs> won't, won't make you late. Um, were you involved in the previous two years? Because I know the finals went online. They didn't sort of over Zoom for the last two yeah. years. To be honest, um, I was involved last year and it was done over Zoom, so it was a little bit different. So it's great this year to actually be able to you know, see all the kids in person and, and see the amount of talent that this country actually has, I suppose. So it's great to actually be in person with them and, and seeing them up on stage and seeing them enjoying themselves. And um, especially after the last couple of years, it's such so so great to see it happening now. And um, yeah, it's great. I'm down here in Pomoy, which is my first ever time in Pomoy. And it's a lovely town. Uh, the people are so lovely. I think everywhere in Cork, the people just seem to be some of the nicest people people you'll ever meet. Oh, you're very sweet. Did you go out last night? I did. I went for a, for a few pints last night and then I had to actually be up at half six because I was in Cork this morning for uh, for half seven. But uh, I went out for a few pints and stumbled upon a session actually in a in a pub in Formoy, which was uh, which was great crack. You know what I mean to see. I mean, especially, I know I said it, I'm going to say it again, but after the last couple of years, seeing people out enjoying themselves and, and singing a few songs, is uh, it's great and it really was nice. Yeah, and there's something about live music and live entertainment and that's, you know, that's what all these uh, All-Ireland uh, school finals are about. Did you judge the drama yesterday or are you just the, doing the light entertainment section? Yeah, we drug, I judged the drama yesterday as well, so I've been here, this is my second day here now and uh, it was tough. There were so many amazing schools yesterday. Um, and like you say, it's it's just such a great platform for the kids to get up there on stage. And, uh, you know, so, so for some of them, it's the first ever time standing on stage. So as a confidence builder, and um, they learn so much from doing it. So it's it's great to see. And there's so much talent. It's it's crazy. You know, you have some of these 
these kids that are only like, especially today, they're only young and they're they're singing better than I ever could sing. Well, you know what I mean? so yeah, and to and see. yeah, and today's is their fifteen minute shows. Isn't that what it is? It's it's a light entertainment show, so they'll be it, singing yes, and dancing and drama. It'll be a mix of everything. Exactly. Yeah, you'll have everything from singing, dancing to comedy to uh, you know they they can literally do whatever they want. It's light entertainment, so it's it'll be a bit of a, a variety show, I guess. Brilliant. Uh, and how many? How many? How many are in the final? Um, I'm not actually too sure. In yesterday's drama finals, there was ten schools, and I think there's about there's a little bit more in the finals. Is there? Maybe. Okay. About 12, All right. You'll have a busy day. You'll have a bu- and as you it, say, yeah. with with the standard high. And of course, you're not just uh, a singer. You've also done acting as well. But you're also a winning dancer. How do you feel this year's Dancing with the Stars is going? And I'm, I'm assuming you're keeping a keen eye on it. I am, yeah. I can't get away from it, uh, to be honest. But it's, <laughs> it's great. It's really good. I mean, there's, there's some great um, celebs on it this year. Uh, to be honest, I wish I was doing it again. Um, I think, obviously, I have to say Nicholas is doing a great job. Uh, Karen's flying on it. But uh, one of my favourites is, is, I think, Nina is really good. I think she's the, the dark horse of the competition, pardon the pun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think she's doing really well for, for someone that would never have done anything to do with dance or stage and before, do you know what I mean? Um, and has no musicality whatsoever. So it's, it's great to see someone like that doing so well. So it's funny, so many of our listeners after the very first night called out Nina Carberry and made that yeah. very same uh, point, but also made the additional point because of her background, she is extremely competitive. Completely, and when she yeah. goes into something, she gives it 100%. And I mean, you've been there, you've won this competition. This is a tough competition to, to enter and let alone to win. Oh, it is, yeah. I don't think I realised at the start how much uh, you have to actually take on on the competition, do you know what I mean? It takes over your life while you're on it. And Funny you say there about like sports stars. When I was on it, I was obviously on with uh, with Rob Heffernan, who I actually call the Pope of Cork because you cannot, you cannot walk around Cork with him without him stopping every two seconds to chat to someone. Um, but he, like that, he was obviously a sports person and was an extremely competitive. And I think that's why why he did so well on it as well. I think he reached the, the quarterfinals. And, uh, and of I course, Nicholas, Nick, Nick, yeah, Nicholas with Karen is, is sports exactly, as well. Yeah, and, 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 and in fairness, quarters too. Nicholas, when he started now, and, and I'm being really polite, he was very stiff. Oh, he was awful. He was <laughs> you... awful the first week. Okay, you're allowed you to say that. You don't have to sugarcoat it. He knows it himself, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, it's great to see as well. In the Like, don't get me wrong, obviously he's not, not one of the best dancers in the competition, but he's had a huge improvement since week one. Um, and like that, again, someone that would have no musical background whatsoever. He's sat on a bike for his living, you know what I mean? So it's completely different, and he's so out of his comfort zone. So to see his journey on the show and see him progressively getting better and better and better it's been amazing to watch as well do you know what I mean and that's why it's, why it's such an entertaining show But that is down to your partner Karen I mean is she well, a t- is, is she a tough taskmaster? There is yeah there's is no she? escaping Karen yeah, now when you're there you're, you're there and you're, you're there to do a good job so uh, oh, she's tough but it's, it's great you know what I mean I think that's why she gets so much out of every partner that she has on the show. Okay, and from the dancing to the singing, I saw last month you released a, a new single, I'm Just Going to Take You Home, self-penned, I believe. Was that written and recorded during lockdowns? It was, yeah. So our, our last single was out uh, last week there, actually the end, of, the end of February, and it's called I Just Got to Take You Home. It was a song that was written over Zoom, actually. So I think kind of 90% of music that's released in the last kind of six months had something to do with Zoom. 
Um, but yeah, it was actually a track. I'm, I'm signed to a, a publishing house up in Dublin called The Nucleus. And it was actually a track that was originally written for Niall Horn, would you oh. believe? Um, and in the end, Niall didn't end up taking the track. So I was sitting there and I was like, you know what, lads? This, this song is too good to be just sitting in a drawer or sitting on a laptop. So I decided to release it myself. Well and yeah, it's, it's had a, a great reaction so far. People really seem to like it. And um, I'm just so happy to be back releasing music, to be honest. Obviously, after the last couple of years, there hasn't been much new music out there. So it's, it's great to get back out there and, and back out promoting it. And are you back doing live gigs? We are. We're back on tour in May. So we're going to be announcing some new dates very, very shortly. And hopefully we're going to have a, a cork date uh, for later on in the year. Um, but if you, if anyone listening wants to keep up to date, they can check out my website, which is jakecarterofficial.com or the social media and we'll be announcing a Cork gig very, very soon. Okay, I see a couple of people are saying, when is Jake coming to Cork? There you go. <laughs> I haven't got a, day, a date yet. Um, we also have somebody listening to us on uh, line. Can you tell Jake Carter to give a big shout out from County Wexford? I can't wait to see him in Gorey on the 12th of May. May, that's from Barry. So oh, that, brilliant. That's, a big shout out to Barry. Thanks so much for listening in. So that's a gig. You're, you're, that's a gig confirmed that's one of them, yeah. the 12th so we, of May. We, we have a couple of them out. We were back actually next this weekend coming now. Um, sorry, next weekend coming. We're back out uh, doing a few different festivals. So we're up in Fermanagh and we're in Sligo. And we have a load of summer festivals in then over summer. Um, and like that, we'll be going on tour then. So we've, we've two dates in at the minute for May. But we have a full tour coming then later on in the year. Well, we look forward to chatting to you when you come our way here in uh, Cork. Uh, Jake, enjoy your day. Best of luck to all of the schools taking part today uh, as well. And a break a leg, as they say. Thank you for that, Jake, and thanks for talking thanks to us. Thanks for having me on. Good morning yeah. to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. The, the lovely Jake uh, Carter in advance of the All-Ireland 15-minute second-level light entertainment festival, which is happening in Formoy today. Good luck to all the schools. Thank you to somebody who says, Trish, I think there's 10 schools taking part in the All-Ireland 15-minute second-level light entertainment festival finals in Formoy today. And one of them, says this texter, is not the Nagel Rice Secondary School in Donnerwell. So the best of luck to Nagel Rice Secondary School in Donnerwell. I don't know if they're the only one of, uh, of the 10 finalists that hails from uh, Cork. If they are, we certainly will be rooting for them. Good luck to everybody there. 0818 103 103. We're going to take a break. News at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As I mentioned earlier, last Tuesday I spoke with Katrina Toomey, coordinator of Cork Penny Dinners, just hours before she was about to head off in a five-van convoy packed with essential needs for refugees forced to leave their homes in Ukraine and to see how the aid convoy is getting on. I'm delighted to say we have made contact with Katrina and uh, she joins me. Good morning to you, Katrina. Morning, Patricia. How are things? Well, where, where in the world are you? Well, we're here, in, and it's um, in the minuses, here where we are. We went down to minus seven, minus eight last night, and now we're on the road, heading to a place called Medica. We were supposed to go to a place called Legisk and to meet the Redemptorists there, but we've asked that they come meet us there, because we have to meet some people there, especially, um, you know, people are coming out from the hospital. So we've asked that they come meet us to save us that 400 extra kilometres because we had a gruelling 22 hours of driving yesterday. 
Okay, talk me through how, how the trip has gone so far. The, the ferry over, was that nice and calm? <laughs> no. No? Oh. But they took, great, they took great care of us and they fed us, looked after us. And uh, but kind of when we finished eating, we all had to go later and we were getting the old sea legs weren't working too well at all at all. So we spent most of our time laying down. Only got up when we had to eat and have a, or have a shower. And back to lying down again. Okay. No saying that, like they did everything they could for us. They were exceptionally, the standard line were brilliant for us. They were outstanding. So, like, um, but again, the old sea legs for all of us wasn't, uh, wasn't working too well. Yeah. So then you got but, off um, that, sh- it was Sherberg you went into, was it? We arrived in Sherberg, to the sun shining absolutely brilliant. The temperatures went up to around, as we drove down through France, around 13 degrees and stuff. So it was really like, really nice, you know, and the fact that it was dry and that it was hot at that stage, well, not hot, warm, but I meant that we had a clear journey ahead of us. So we drove to Belgium and we drove to a place called Charleroi and we stayed over there for a couple of hours and then moved out then from Charleroi at about nine yesterday morning and didn't get in here, then until gone for this morning. And here is Poland. You're you're in Poland, isn't it? Yeah, we're in Poland. Yeah, we came through Germany as well yesterday, and uh, then through Poland, and we're now here, and we're about an hour and a bit from the border. The lads have been up to the local railway station and and stuff just to have a look around to see, you know, the activity that's there, and that's very intense, very intense. Um, we've spoken to some people on the ground as well who are giving us bits of advice and we're heading off them to now to get some aid there that's urgently needed and hoping the Redemptorists then come up to meet us. Oh, okay, so how, how close to the border with Ukraine will you be? We'll be in no man's land. Oh, will you? Okay. Yeah. And then from there then everybody makes a decision on what's happening there depending on the people that's coming out to meet us. And, and the, you know, what's needed and stuff. So again, as everybody has been saying to us, when we get to no man's land, we play it by ear. We're also going to help out and the, the, the stations that are along the way where people come to just feed them and maybe give them a change of clothes or whatever they need for to move forward to their next centre. And then at the, at the main centres, there are buses and trains for to take people to places to get them, you know, off the borders as quickly as possible to get them to safe places. But, um, you, you know, we've been told what to expect. We've been told, like, that it'll be random, it'll be gut-wrenching and, um, you know, heartbreaking, especially to see the, the, the children and that everybody's just walking, focused on getting to the centres for safety and that there's a lot of bewilderment out there. But focus on the walk and that's why they're all on the one road walking towards the centres for to get help. How do, how do you prepare for that, Katrina? Well, we're going to be very practical. Obviously, we, we kind of have sat down and we've been a while here now just discussing what we're going to do along the way and our plan is that if we see people along the way that need assistance that we'll all pull in with the system, give them what they need and um, then move on and try and get to our destination you, you know, amidst all those stops. And then when we get to our destination, some will probably have to do, you know, go go with transport some of the stuff and some are going to stay 
at the centre where, where, where tents and stuff are set up for people and there's random tents, there's kind of bonfires to keep people warm because you must remember that the temperatures, people are, and I tell you, it's cold, it's Baltic, it's bitter. And if they're walking in that and, you know, with very little food and stuff, they're in a pitiful state and trying to drag their belongings with them and stuff. So we're going to stay and we're going to try and help them and assist them to the to where the buses and the trains are because that's the next step to get them to safety then so that they're not lingering on the borders with no place to go and yeah. being stuck in the tent because it's bitter. It's really Baltic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because uh, you, well, when we're watching it on the TV, you know, and, awful, and you have yeah. reporters saying, you know, it was minus seven, yeah. it was minus nine. Uh, it, it, it's hard. And it's only when you're there. It is how just you've described it so well. It's Baltic. It's just absolutely yeah. and, and, free. And, 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 you've you no, just, and they have nowhere to go. It, yeah. These people no, have oh. nowhere to go. It's just and they have to keep walking, and because if they don't, they'll freeze to death. So they have to keep walking. So, like even last night when we stopped at at, at a filling station, you know, it was full of people, and they had cars, they had jeeps, they had small vans of every shape, size, and whatever, filled with stuff to take them down there to the people to try and keep them warm. It's that cold. Yeah. We met Italians, we met English. We, there, there was a group of English Ukrainians like that just packed up their cars. They're living in England and they just packed them up and with everything that they get their hands on. And they were all focused on going there as well because they're like as they said, they would be from those countries. They would know what cold is and they would know the savage pressure that the people are under in this cold. And you, you're travelling, Chris O'Donovan is with you from the Cork Missing Persons Search and Rescue. He's he's a veteran on these kind of aid runs, isn't he? He is, and there's another guy, Dan, Dan Currens, and we have some of the other lads from the Missing Persons. We also have Donna Lucky from the Echo, and we have Dave Feeney and Tom from Penny Dinners as well. And, um, you know, the, the lads are here. And, you know, like, our mood is help as much as we can, document it, bring it back, and if somebody else wants to go and say, look, lads, here's a few tips, like this might be the way to do it. Mm. Do you know, we're not going to just go in and come out and forget all about it. We know that we'll have to be coming back because <clears throat> everybody that's leaving here after delivering aid are of the same. They're going back to get more to come back again. Because of what you're witnessing. And, and as you say, yeah. It's, go, it's going to get worse when you go into no man's land and, and you're yeah. you're dealing with those people, you know, face to face. It's exactly. just. Yeah. And there's no preparing yeah. preparing for that. But listen, we're None. sending out the woman with the biggest heart, that's for sure. You mentioned Donald O'Keefe of the of the Echo. Will you tell him yeah. well done? I'm reading his, his every day sending back his piece uh, to the Echo. And I thought his piece yeah. today was, was stunning because, you know, he spoke about the Choctaw Indians who helped. Yes. Irish people when we were in need during the famine you know I mean you know let's not forget there was a time when we did need help exactly and and let's not forget the people that thought about us like from a a, a nation you know so far away from us like but yet they thought of us with their heart and that's why we're here with it you know we, we said like that the hearts of the Lee are broken the hearts of Many, many countries all over the world are broken by war anywhere, no matter where it is. They're broken by the images I've seen women and children 
running roads, fleeing children on their own, getting separated from their parents. Can you imagine the agony and the pain that any parent or any child that's in that position has gone through? And look, it's not right. The powers that they have got to look at just the people that you're, the governments that are there acted to look after the people in their country, not to put any of them at risk and not to be going in then and killing other people in other countries. All of that has to be wrong. It's just... Yeah, yeah, and I think it's an act of violence towards a human being like that. I think the bombing of the of the children's hospital and the maternity hospital hospital, that was a new low. That was a new, yeah, that was a new new low. It really, it really, really was. And everybody, everybody's happened on that. Like knowing then, like that, if they could do that, being solo, that they're capable of doing anything else as well. Absolutely. So they're worried about that. Look, a lot of people are worried about that. If this moves out, like where does it move into next? And and who's who are the next victims? Like that'll have to be, you know, the people that are helping now could be the victims the next, you know, very shortly, and they're aware of that as well. Okay. Listen. Stay safe. Stay warm. We will. And uh, we'll can we'll hook up with you again next week. But you're you're very much okay. everybody on that convoy. You're so much in our thoughts and uh, prayers. Thank you. Look after yourself. Thank okay. You. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. The wonderful uh, Katrina Toomey. We couldn't have sent somebody with a bigger heart uh, for sure. Even though I think this is going to have such an effect on uh, Katrina. I mean, she's going to be in there doing what she does with Cork Penny Dinners in many ways, trying to help feed and clothe and. Uh, look after those people coming off the trains I think it's going to have a devastating uh, effect on her because she has such such a soft heart you know but I think you know no better woman no better woman could uh, could we send and along with there's 11 in total on that convoy of uh, 11 we wish them all of the very best and I know so many local people uh, donated the items that they needed that they are taking out we will connect with her again uh, next week and just there is a couple of other uh, events going on that I just want to give a quick mention to because I know we had some people uh, contact us Um, there was there's a war for Ukraine happening next Sunday at 12 noon in Kinsale and it just says all proceeds going to Ukraine I don't know I'm, I'm assuming a lot of those fundraisers that are going on are going for the Red Cross so if you're in Kinsale you can contribute by taking part in that walk and then somebody else was on to say there was a fundraiser held last night uh, on top of some funders that were held last weekend organised by Clonakilty GAA and someone from the organising committee was on to say that it was for the Irish Red Cross that they have collected €11,250. Isn't that incredible? That's just from Clonakilty GAA. That is an amazing sum of money. Well done to everybody who contributed there. And then just on a completely different Thanks to Ger McCarthy. Thank you. It was Ger McCarthy Clan, uh, Chairman of Clan GAA was on to tell us. Thank you, Ger, for that information and well done to everybody who, who contributed. Now, a few people have been on because next week, this day next week, we'll have our public holiday in remembrance and recognition of everybody who did such great work during COVID-19 and remembering those that sadly we lost uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and of course, it's a, it's a double 
kind of a double bank holiday, double public holiday. So a lot, most a lot of businesses will be closed Thursday and Friday. So a few people have been on about do we know what the arrangements are for people who normally collect their social welfare payments on a Thursday and a Friday, which are probably two of the busiest days for people collecting social welfare payments. So we've been on to say they've been on to say that the arrangements for St Patrick's Day, all welfare and state pension payments due on the seventeenth, which is Thursday, and the eighteenth, which is this day next week, Friday, can be collected on Wednesday, the sixteenth of March. So if you normally go to the post office on a Thursday or a Friday, your pension or your welfare payment will be available on next Wednesday the 16th and if your payment is normally made into the bank on a Thursday or a Friday your payments will also drop into your bank account next Wednesday the 16th of March that's the arrangements for social welfare over the bank holiday weekend 0818 103 103 C103 Jobs With Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time part-time and professional courses succeeding together with mtu.ie Experienced and reliable bar person required in the Canturk area called 87 The Wild Thyme Restaurant, they're recruiting full and part-time kitchen and waiting staff. Please email Emma at the wildthyme at outlook.ie Baker Finn Recruitment are looking for operators and CNC machinists. That's in Middleton. Email ddondelaney at bakerfinn.com. And JMC Parts, they've got vacancies for Senior Territory Sales Manager, Junior Sales, Customer Research and Contract Warehouse Staff. CVs and a cover letter to Barry Galvin at bgalvin at jmcparts.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. At a private Fine Gael party meeting this week, some of the backbenchers have called for a plan, the planned carbon tax increases to be suspended and for further cuts to the excise duty announced this week. One of those leading the charge is our own Cork Senator Tim Lombard uh, who joins me. Good morning to you Tim. Good morning. Now Tim, firstly the, the carbon tax. This was announced in the budget last October due to increase I think from the start of May. How much extra is that expected to put on the price of petrol and diesel? So how to work the carbon tax is slightly unusual. Their increase is going to be seven point five or uh, seven seven euro fifty per ton uh, um, of carbon tax. So they're expecting that seven euro fifty per ton is to go on the price of petrol going forward. What does that equate to? Up to nine percent at the moment. That'd be continuing on a kind of scaled base. Um, look, there's three elements to how we actually put tax on. Um, on fuel, one is that, one is excise duty in general carbon tax. Um, look, that is a European issue. That has been discussed, I expect, at this weekend's meeting of um, the leaders of the European Union. Uh, the Taoiseach is attending that. We've made movements regarding the excise duty. We've reduced levels of that during the week. But there seems to be no talk on the actual carbon tax. And think about the carbon taxes. Um, not alone is it, you know, roughly 9%. Carbon tax on home heating oil, gas, or coal at the moment. From the 
most of me onwards are proposing putting that on on those kind of fuels that are used to heat houses. And like we're in extraordinary times with extraordinary inflation when it comes to oil prices in particular. I don't think the general public can afford can stomach to have a tax put on next May on in particular heating oil or, you know, gas or anything like that. And the next increase in our actual carbon tax at the pumps is the twelfth of October. And look, what I said is we spend it for now. We all know we need to look at climate change. We all know it's a really important part of our society. But for now, we just need to make sure we survive while this war is happening in Ukraine. But the carbon tax, any deferral of the carbon tax, you've got the Green Party as a coalition party. Would it be a very hard sell to Eamon Ryan and the other Green members of government? Look, and I appreciate that, and I really do. And I raised at the parliamentary party meeting just to start the debate going on Wednesday night. And look, there was some support there from some uh, rural TDs in particular regarding this issue. And I absolutely appreciate this is a really thorny subject. And I realise it's a three-party coalition and you give and take all the way through. And that's why we signed up for the actual mission for the carbon tax and support it all the way through. But none of us foresee what was going to happen. None of us thought that we'd now be not alone, like we've got rid of COVID. COVID like a, like a distant memory at this stage. Mm. Like the war's there for the last 16 days. Um, look, we watch it every night on TV. We don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks, months, or even years when it comes to this war. And it's about making sure we have our own security of fuel in so many ways, which we don't have. So having a carbon tax come in, like the idea of a carbon tax was, to help us change our mode of living, whether it's inflate the houses better, change our mode of transportation, use more public transport. It was a long-term measure over the next decade. But this is a short-term crisis that we just have to find a solution to because I don't know where this is going to go in the next 14 days after the last 14 days of war that we've had. Um, like talking to farmers on the ground when the global fertilizer prices begin jumping today, heading to nearly a thousand euros a ton. Um, diesel being rationed when it comes to agricultural contractors in particular. And if it's an anomaly with the carbon tax. The farming community doesn't pay the carbon tax, but the, um, on green diesel only now. But the contractor does. He pays 9% on it. And like these people are paying multiples of what they paid for diesel literally three weeks ago. It's a, if I was speaking to a tree, I could never have envisaged where we are now in our society. Yeah, and I, I take from what you're saying, you know, you understand why, there, why there's a need for carbon tax. You're not saying, let's give it a carbon tax forever. You're just saying, put a hold on it for now. Exactly. And I think what I've said was, I never used the word, I used the word suspension. Yeah. In the carbon tax while we have this crisis. And it's an extraordinary crisis, an extraordinary time. And because of that, we need extraordinary measures. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. And that's what I would consider um, stepping away from the carbon tax in this period of time. It's an extraordinary measure that we need to do. Like I remember my late father, he you know, was born in 32, talking about what happened in the 40s and about rationing and all this. Like, this literally is our war. This literally is something we'll be talking about, you know, for decades to come. Mm. And we don't know where this is going to end. Like, and because of that, we must take really extraordinary measures. And the measures I'm talking about today are just suspending the carbon tax until we know where the fuel prices are going to go. Like, we took the excise duty off it and the same price at the pump the next day. And I think that showed you how volatile the market is and how volatile the oil supply is. And, like, the bigger picture here is that we have a huge issue when it comes to energy security in this country. Um, like, we produce 35% of our own natural gas. So we have to brought in our oil supplies are as good as nil. And we are years, like next four or five years away from having enough um, capacity, and particularly when it comes to offshore uh, wind to actually keep this country going. So in the short period of time, fuel security is the ultimate issue when it comes to our society. Yeah, and just on home heating oil, I mean, I would, can't even begin to think if the carbon tax, you know, comes in on the 1st of May, the increase that that's going to bring. We have people struggling already with the home heating oil because when the home heating oil, when we mentioned the cut to excise uh, duty, <coughs> home heating oil wasn't included. But I think, I don't think, is, is there excise duty on home heating oil at the moment? There's, there's no excise there's duty. No, okay, so that would explain I, why there wasn't, yeah. wasn't a decrease. But I mean, already, like a half a tank, 500 litres, people are paying 700 euro they would have, you know, a couple of months ago paid €400. Euro. There are people really struggling to heat their homes at the moment. Yeah, and the carbon tax proposed coming on that in the first May would be an extra €100 Euros for a thousand metres fill. Like, you couldn't justify that in any society where we are today. And I could not, in all heart, put my hands up and say that would be right. I realise we're in a climate emergency as well, but in the short term, we could not penalise people who are paying extraordinary amounts of money for another hundred euros in the tax panel. And I think that's where I'm going here. I'm literally flagging this out before it comes to the 1st of May. 
personally is only around the corner in mm. relative terms, like a hundred euros onto your thousand litre skin would not be appropriate. In particular where we are today, where if you're talking to some people that they're ordering a thousand litres and they're getting three hundred litres and that's that's told that's all they've been allowed yeah, to get. Yeah, and the and there doesn't there and there there's a supply issue as well. I mean Ellen has just said we rang a place yesterday wanted to order home heating oil. Firstly we were told we won't get delivery for at least two weeks. And then says Ellen, when I asked for a price, they said, Sorry, we can't give you a price because we don't know how much your home heating oil is going to be in two weeks' time. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm getting back. I'm getting back that it's cost on delivery and we're not sure what the cost going to be to the rise in the door. And it's very hard to the budget for people to put something in place, and particularly elderly people. It's very hard to make sure that they have enough in the bank to cover these extraordinary prices. And they are unbelievable, like two euros plus at the pump everywhere in Cork today. And home heating oil, like I was talking to a man who was quoted 168 for green diesel this morning. So it's that kind of level of, you know, prices that have leveled, that have brought us to the point that we need to do something extraordinary. And I think, do you know, this is going to be about trying to increase supply long term over in, over in places like Kuwait and all this. It's important that we get more supply coming in from there. And that's going to be the solution while this war is lasting. But like for the short term, this is a, this is a problem that I have no solution to. And the only thing I can say is, we could not, with our not logically, put another tax on the actual a society that is crippled at the moment by the cost of living. The cost of living, whether it's electricity, whether it's oil, whether it's gas. This week we've had cool. we've had people talking about the price of coal. The bag of coal has gone up, and we're being told it's going to go up again next week. On the week when the extra hundred and twenty-five euro, the additional fuel allowance is being paid out, that's going to be eaten up. Yeah, and that's the point. What happened with the eggs, with the excise reduction that we had last Wednesday, if you went to the pumps on Thursday morning, my mother went to the pumps on Thursday morning, she the pumps are wrong. There's no more reflection. They're right. It's just, that's how it's after changing. It ended up that much overnight. The same thing happened with solid fuel, with the fuels, whether it's coal, gas, and heating oil. They're increasing at a dramatic rate. And I think, Look, there's a little bit of price gouging too here. I think we have to call it out that we just don't know exactly how much this is inflation and how much this is taking advantage of the market. But I just think from a state point of view, they must do everything within their power to actually reduce the actual cost of it. Can they go further with excise cuts? It's very hard because there's a rebate system in place for the actual haulers. That haulers get so much back regarding excise duty. If they were to actually reduce excise more, it's very hard how that rebate will actually work. So there's a technical issue regarding that. But look, it's like COVID. Everything can be looked at now. Everything's on the table. So the three things here are carbon tax, that, and excise duty. They've done something in excise duty. The conversation on carbon tax is well and truly on way at the moment. And hopefully the European Union is going to do something about the VAT rate, the 13.5% VAT rate. That negotiations that are happening this weekend in Europe are really important. And we're all in the same boat together. Okay. Every country in Europe is on the same line. OK, and you know, while it's really, really tough, we can be thankful we haven't got bombs going off our, our air raids. 
uh, sirens going off over, over our head for sure. OK, listen, uh, Tim, appreciate that. Thank you for that. And Thank uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Fine Gael Senator Tim Lambert, 0818103103. Our lines remain open. Somebody's been on to say there's going to be a party for St. Patrick's Day in the SVP rooms in Charleville next Thursday. Music is by Dan Noonan. It's on in the afternoon of St. Patrick's Day from two in the afternoon until four. Teas and coffees uh, will be uh, served and it is a special event for senior citizens as they haven't had any kind of a party for the last two years. So if you're in uh, Charleville, uh, feel free to go along to that party in the VDP rooms on St. Patrick's Day. And actually for the day that's in it as well, can I send heartiest congratulations to all the team at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbury, Neil Grant and the rest of the team. I'm told they're celebrating 25 years. God, I remember when that hotel opened. Is that 25 years already? They opened their doors in 1997. So congratulations if you're going into the Celtic Ross Hotel today, make sure that you congratulate them on their silver wedding anniversary today. Long, long may they continue. It's a fine, fine hotel in Roscarbury. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Donal on carbon taxes. Hi, Trish. Carbon tax should be scrapped on agri diesel. Um, or else farmers won't be able to produce food. It's crazy when there's no tax on sky fuel. For airplanes, is there no no tax on that fuel? Uh, What's more important, food or people going on their summer holidays, says uh, Donal. And Heidi says, morning, Patricia, I heard you earlier saying how hard it's going to be on school buses going forward with these fuel prices because they've got a set contract and they get paid a set amount. So they've no opportunity to raise extra money during the school year. While I agree, I do feel sorry for the school bus operators. I also think this is how everybody is affected. Everybody is trying to find extra cash to simply get to and from work. It really is outrageous that we can just stand and let this happen. The government are planning to go on their trips on St. Patrick's Day. Huge number. Nearly all of our ministers are leaving to go on holidays for St. Patrick's Day. They won't be paying for those trips themselves. Um, They won't be paying for them. It's the money we pay the government they should start taking more notice of our needs and not swanning off here and there. We have simply not got the money in this country. You're not the first person, Heidi, I have to say, who sent in a message or a text saying, have the, are the government stopping at all and thinking about all of those trips? And the government will say this is the opportunity that the country needs after we've been locked down for two years. This is the opportunity that we need to get out and sell the country again. But many people feel the timing of it is all wrong particularly when people are going through such a hard time. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Now my next guest, Dermot Keane, is originally from Canturk but now living in Donegal. Dermot's family have set up a GoFundMe page to raise the money needed to bring his beautiful daughter Ellie to America for an intensive therapy programme that hopefully will allow her to walk to find out more about this incredible little girl. Dad, Dermot, joins me. Good morning to you, Dermot. 
Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and and you're welcome uh, to the programme. I suppose we need to go back a few years for you to explain to us what happened to Ellie. I believe it was just after her first birthday and she got a devastating diagnosis. Yeah, I suppose I just was getting to know Ashling at the time. So um, it was a gradual diagnosis from doctors and her, between her mum and the doctors. And um, there was a few delays in getting the diagnosis. So it was kind of, it was a hard one to diagnose. And uh, there was a gradual kind of a regression in her progress from trying to get in her her feet when she was uh, one year old. So after a lot of scans and hospital trips, um, it was a it was an MRI or CT. I'm not sure exactly now that showed the tumor on the spine, and uh, that was in Sligo Hospital. And she was rushed by ambulance to Dublin um, for an operation to get the tumor removed. And uh, it was a, it was a long road for them. Then I suppose I wasn't very involved at the time. At least that my uh, my yeah, you sorry. I, sh- I should have said yes. You're, you're, no, you're, okay, you're yeah, step, no, your stepdad. Your step, but you're as good as her father. Yes, you're as good exactly, as her father. Yes, yeah. So I'm, she I'm had she, she had to have a series of um, operations, uh, follow up operations, and she did. and unfortunately during one of those operations, the nerves to her legs had to be cut. Was it? Yes. So the first operation, they removed about sixty percent of the tumor, and then they waited and they did a scan. And they knew that it was growing back quickly. It was an aggressive tumour that was growing back. So they did a second operation and they removed a natural percentage, but a lot of it again. And then they did more scans. But the third time they said, that, look, this tumour is going back too quickly and oh, it could cause more problems. So they just decided not to be any careful with the tumour, just take the tumour completely out, which meant taking the surrounding nerves with us um, on the spine. So it, it's limited, Ellie, to wheelchair. God help her. Now, I know she said chemo and everything. And is she, is she tumour-free yeah. now? She's tumour-free, thank brilliant, God. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And she's had all her follow-up scans. And, uh, yeah, she's tumour-free. Tumor-free, and she's as happy as Larry. Like, yeah, t- tell me a little bit about her. I mean, she, she's been obviously a wheelchair user. She's nine now, isn't she? Yeah, she's never nine. Anything else but a wheelchair. She's nine years old. Yeah, and um, a typical nine-year-old. Oh, full of life. Will put us in our put us in our place. Life kid, uh, loves life, loves nature, animals, uh, friendly, uh, creative, just bubbly little girl. Yeah, and you're trying to do everything you can for her. And there's a there's a younger little sister. There is, Clara. So she's watching Clara running around and doing everything. Yeah, I suppose it was that all right. Ellie was very good with Clara and she always she still is very good with her, but when Ellie and Clara was getting on her feet it was tough, but Ellie wasn't wasn't too angry, you know, it was just she she's very, very, very good with Clara, like and uh she's never complained about her wheelchair. She's never made that um, a problem, if you know what I mean. Yeah. She just overcomes it and everything she was in Crumlin yesterday for uh an arthrogram. She does need a small procedure before she goes to America. So she's in Crumlin yesterday. She's up at four o'clock in the morning into the car, happy out down the road, <laughs> and uh, back up last night at eight o'clock. It's a long journey. Never one one mention of a complaint. 
Okay, so you've discovered this treatment in the States. Yeah, so it was Ashley, my partner here, um, was on our website and she just saw that there's, they were coming to Ireland as a pop-up, um, as a pop-up kind of a treat, treatment for 30 candidates, but there was a huge demand. The website crashed trying to get a position in it and we didn't get it, but we just applied for anywhere and we got to LA and so Los Angeles, America, uh, the Napa Center it's called and um, they do intensive therapy and they have a great team who will kind of customize it to LA and they've told us that LA would be a great candidate to come over and um, it's the 3rd of October this year for three weeks. It's a, it's, it's some kind of a physiotherapy, is it? It is, yeah. yeah and they have yeah. a lot of equipment. They have, they have a neuro suit, which is like an elasticated suit, which has helped with all the movements. And they have, it, it's the team. It's the, it's the team, what they do. It's all kind of very simple ideas, but it's how they can put it to the child and customise it to the child. Yeah. Uh, we're very excited to see what Ellie can get out of it. Yeah, and obviously there would be these th- three weeks of intense therapy and then Ellie would come home and continue it at home, I take it. Oh, there's a equipment yeah. thing that they'll, whatever is working best for Ellie, they'll tell us what we should get and then she'll come home and she'll continue it at home and maybe a trip back again. This is only kind of a test to see what, we'll, what way we're going to go and um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be for the rest of her life. She's but they, but the therapists think she's a good candidate and so they yeah, think they can get Yeah, they won't take her on unless they think they can get results. No, they won't know, and they're, they've been emailing and, and sending videos and everything now, and um, they're on they're on um, Instagram, Facebook, the Napa Center. Yeah, they're, Angeles, I checked. They're they're incredible. They're they really yeah, are incredible. Exactly. Okay, so there is a GoFundMe page uh, page Ellie's Wish to Walk. But the reason we needed to talk to you this uh, today is there is a local event here, Ellie's Classic Car Run. That's this Sunday. Yeah, the support from everybody has been amazing. There's a huge amount of events, but a friend of ours, Robert O'Reardon, because um, I'm originally from Cork, um, is organising a classic car run for any classic cars, anything you want to come in Mallow this Sunday at 10.30am. And okay. uh, we'd love if anybody could come just to enjoy the day, really. Okay, and keep us keep us informed if there's any other local fundraisers, uh, Dermot, we'd be only too glad uh, to give them a mention. But yeah, listen- no, appreciate the, the mention on the radio. No, no problem, no problem. And send down our best, best wishes to Ellie and I really do hope that this uh, journey works well for her and if anybody wants to donate there is a GoFundMe page as well. Yeah, Ellie's, if you go, if you Ellie's go on, Wish um, to Walk. Ellie's Wish to Walk on Facebook or Instagram. There's loads of information there. Um, as well. If you search that just they'll find it there and okay. uh, there's a lot of stories a lot of fundraisers they're all put up on, the, on that Facebook page. Brilliant. Wish to Walk. Brilliant. Keep flying the flag, uh, Dermot, and thanks a million yeah. for joining us. God bless. Thanks Take care. Bye bye. That Bye-bye. is uh, d- bye bye, Dermot Keener, as I say, originally from uh, Cantork, but now living with his little family in uh, Donegal. So we wish young Ellie the best of luck. 0818 103 103. John Paul takes your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know. Know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. In what is a little bit of breaking news out of West Cork Global Chairs. Now, they're the Clonakilty based fintech uh, company. It's according to the Business Post, they've been acquired by JP Morgan in a deal that is worth at least 450 million 
euro. Court McSherry based councillor John O'Sullivan is chairman of the Bandon Kinsale Municipal District and uh, John joins me uh, this afternoon. Uh, good afternoon to you John. Good afternoon, Patricia. Obviously, this is a real good news story and a very welcoming story, particularly for a rural town like um, Clonakilty. Yeah, and West Cork in general, really. You know, it, it is. It, it just proves that that with with dedication to, to excellence, that uh, that world leading companies can, can be can be found. This this is what happens when when companies develop. They're they're acquired and they merge or they take over. And uh, this, to, to be merging with, with JP Morgan, one of the, the leading firms in the world, is, is I thought, put it this way, it's great to have, have that they will be, have a base in West Cork going forward, and it's something that we should be trying to develop and, and, and further develop and then maybe make more out of. Now, tell me a bit about Global Shares. They're based at the Technology Park in Clown. The technology Park in Tanakilty, they have an office in Cork City, and they have a total of 17 offices throughout the world, from Japan, China, Europe, America, uh, the UK. They have, they have offices over there, implying 550 people worldwide. And uh, it has just it's just been a singular success from, from day one. They, they've had phenomenal growth. They've had, uh, um, they give great employment. They have a fantastic team of, of staff there who are, I suppose, commuting from right across West Cork, really. But um, it, it, it really is, I suppose, they, they won Technology Company of the Year last year. And this, this is, a, I suppose, a further endorsement of what they do and, and, and the, the potential and the capabilities that they have, that they've been sought out and acquired by one, one of the top companies in the world. Yeah, and according to the Business Post, they've been courted by J.P. Morgan for quite a few months. So J.P. Morgan uh, really wanted to acquire this uh, this company. But I, but I suppose from a local point of view, well, it's fantastic to have the, the headquarters based in Clonakilty with all of the workers working there. Is the big one now hoping that the headquarters will remain in Clonakilty? Well, that's it, yeah. And, and, and I, like, I think, and I've called in the press release there that JP Morgan would confirm that the jobs will be secured in West Cork <clears throat> and that, that it's very important that they remain loyal to, to, to the foundation, to the staff, and to, to the area that has formed the company. And I, I certainly would be calling that that commitment will be made. We understand that, that, um, that an announcement, an official announcement is to be made uh, at the opening of the, the New York Stock Exchange later on today. But I mean, I, I certainly would, would be asking and calling that that would be clarified and confirmed that the, that the jobs would, would remain there. I would expect that they will, but I think it, it would be very important that the company would, would confirm that uh, at the earliest possible opportunity. There were similar concerns, wasn't there, with the takeover the, of Southwestern Services? There was, and, and to be like, you know, much of that has now gone over the time, and that, that, I suppose that is the, the fly in the ointment. But I mean, I suppose. We can be negative forever. This this is a very positive story. Absolutely, the expertise and and the abilities of local people locally have been able to achieve this. And I suppose what I would be saying is that they should be engaged with the IDA and with local authorities and with with the Chamber of Commerce and Tanakilty to make JP Morgan welcome and to try to ensure that not only do they do they maintain the employment there but grow the employment there because I mean. It is a fantastic place to live. You you know Tanakilty well yourself. I do. All of West Cork is, is, is a lovely place to live. We have, I mean, it's it's probably one of the products that is creating in that any properties for sale throughout West Cork at the moment are going for sky high prices. Young people are, are, are being challenged in that side. 
but we we have a fantastic place to live. It is a lovely place to walk if you can walk there also. And I I think we should be we should emphasize in that trying to make the positivity out of it. And look, I mean, look, this company is in is in is in a, a real I suppose cutthroat industry, and it has succeeded. It has come to the top to, uh, as the business forces there to have to have JP um, Morgan courting them for, for a period of time just tells you how good they are, how good the people there are, because this company is as good as the people that it has. So the, pe- the people here are, are the people that, that, that are, are, have, have made this business work what it is. And I mean, look, we, if, it's one thing that, 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 that gets me at times is unless rural Ireland creates a positive outlook and puts a positive foot forward, we are going to be lost. And this to me is, while there are risks, and there are risks in anything, when we get out of bed in the morning, there's a risk. But look, we must make the positive of it and try to develop it and seize the opportunities that, 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 that this can bring us. And look, what I'm doing here is just flagging that, that how well the company has done and just trying to trying to put out there that, that we, we're open for business here, for, for that type, type of business. Yeah, go, yeah and it'll put, when, when, when it gets announced on the stock exchange in, in New York, I mean, it'll very much put the focus on Clonakilty and, and you right. will have people from all over the world because this will be a big, big news story because mm-hmm. of the nature of JP Morgan and what they do and, and they're all over the world. You know, there's going to be suddenly interest in trying to find out, well, who are this, who are this company and where are they based? So the eyes of, of the, the fintech world certainly will be on, on Clonakilty following this announcement. They will, and other companies. And I, like I, I certainly think that we should should be putting out the hands and, try, and trying to take on board whatever number of companies that, that, that we can entice and incentivize to come to the area, whether it's Bandon, Skibbereen, whether it's Kinsale, but, but somewhere in rural Ireland that, that we that we can generate wealth and, and keep people here. These kind of jobs, they're they're, they're clean jobs, they're well paid jobs, and they're, they're something that that we should be be reacting to positive and and trying to. To, to build on it and, and, and make more employment, make, make more enterprise, make more economy here that, that, that we can secure West Cork and, and make it a thriving and, and vibrant place. Okay, well done and well said and uh, thank you for sharing that news uh, with us. Uh, good afternoon to you John, thanks for joining us. Bye bye. That is Court McSherry Base Councillor John O'Sullivan, Chair of the Bandon and Kinsale Municipal District on what is certainly a good, good uh, news story for Clonakilty and for all of the workers at Global Shares, that Clon-based fintech company. Congratulations all around. Now, some of your calls and texts coming in on the price of oil. James in the city thought it was pretty disingenuous of the government to come out and talk about some garage owners price gorging when prices went up this week. When James says, in normal circumstances, the retailer, the person who owns the garage, gets about 4% from the price of all the oil that they sell and half of it goes to the government in VAT and uh, taxes. And then they're blaming others for price gorging, says James in the city. Not impressed with the government coming out saying that. Morris Inglanthorn says that he did a quick Google search on fuel prices and to find out where Ireland rates as the most expensive for petrol and diesel. And he said he was interested to note that we're not in the top 10 for the dearest. Now he says we're not in the bottom 10 for the cheapest either. We're somewhere in the middle but he says what we have to realise is we are a small uh, uh, small country. Eddie in Bandon when we were talking about the price of coal 
uh, going up makes the point that we have natural resources in this country, i.e. timber, but we can't cut timber at the moment due to an issue that's been ongoing over felling licences. Look at all the forests that have grown over the years and we have plenty of wood but because of this issue with the felling licence nothing can be done about it. We need to bring in emergency measures we saw during COVID how quickly the government can bring in emergency measures. Eddie reckons any tree that is fit to be cut should be cut down but what it would do is the knock-on effect is it would bring down the cost of uh, timber and obviously then for burning it would be passed on uh, to people who need solid fuel to burn and heat their homes. He says he particularly thinks we need to do it when you look at Poland and Germany who've started opening their coal mines because of what's going on in the world. We need to act and we need to act now, says Eddie. Hi Patricia, with the price of petrol and diesel and home heating oil, the government should get rid of the universal social charge charge. It would help so many people because those who go out to work and pay the USE charge were being robbed left, right and centre. No hope of a wage increase so the government need to wake up and smell the roses. While Marie says Patricia, I cannot get over that our government ministers are now on holidays for two weeks over St Patrick's Day let alone the fact that so many of them will be going overseas next week. With the way the world is now and the price of everything going up I think that's an absolute disgrace. They think it's okay to go off and have the taxpayers paying for it when most people are finding it difficult just to make ends meet from week to week. Are they, have they any clue on reality? Thanking you. That is from Marie. Uh, what else have we have coming in uh, here? This is on the Russian embassy and the email that we got from Brendan who was saying attacks on the Russian embassy and this very notion of the name change. Brendan wasn't happy with that and says we should stop attacking the Russian embassy and these silly ideas about changing the name of the street where the Russian embassy is. We must think of our embassy in Moscow and all of the Irish people who live in Russia and in nearby countries. We need to keep diplomatic channels open. Someone else is saying, Patricia, if I was the Russian ambassador and they did decide to change the name of the street, guess what i do? i just move house. And actually I did hear that mentioned that that's possibly what they would do rather than use that as an address. And Ross says, if we change the name change, uh, would 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 that affect our neutrality? No, I don't think it would affect our neutrality in any way. But the, a lot of people, from what I gather from texts and calls coming in, are very much with the residents. The residents don't seem to be in agreement with it either. 0818 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. And a collection for Ukraine is taking place this weekend. Cantorkelis Meyer and Castle Magner. All proceeds are going to the Red Cross to help with their ongoing efforts in Ukraine. Students from the Munster Technological University are hosting a variety show this evening in the Student Centre on the Bishopstown campus. Tickets are €8 Euro with discounts for students, children and pensioners. They're available from events.cit.ie. 
proceeds are going to the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork and Epilepsy Ireland. And a fundraising dance for the people of Ukraine will be held in the CYMS Hall in Newmarket tonight. Music is by Peter Burke, Sheila Fitzgerald and Ellie Marie O'Dwyer. Admission 10 euro with larger donations will be very gratefully accepted. All monies collected going to the Red Cross Emergency Ukraine Appeal. Bingo is in Mallow GAA Complex tonight at 8.15. Jackpot 2,350 euro. While the Kildallery Bingo Group are pleased to announce that bingo will be held in the newly renovated old store in the creamery yard tonight at eight doors will open at seven options are to play inside in the store or outside in your car and they're looking forward to seeing people and they thank everyone for their support and staying on bingo bingo is on in cove great island community center tonight at eight this week's snowball prize 750 euro court today on c103 with sean cusack insurances kinsale now part of mccarthy insurance group promoter home business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie Just seen some people saying that garages are starting to decrease their prices. Obviously they've got in a delivery today and the new excise rates are on it. Somebody just got petrol in Ballyhooley for 188.9 so petrol does look like it's coming down. It is, as we predicted, going to take a few days. Uh, Brendan Skibbereen was listening to my chat with Councillor John O'Sullivan. Says great news for Clonakilty. Councillor John O'Sullivan is so right. Rural Ireland can compete at the top table of global businesses. We should be very, very proud that a huge global name like JP Morgan Chase are making the choice to locate in County Cork and where else but in Clonakilty. This is a huge opportunity for West Cork to become a fintech hub, just like we've seen with pharma, IT and gaming hubs in Cork. A great day for rural Ireland, says Brendan. And someone else actually says, what, what's a fintech company? I had to get this checked with John Paul. A fintech company is a financial technology company. It's kind of the new buzzword, fintech. Uh, Mike uh, says the Greens have this country destroyed. We don't produce turf anymore. To we um, And they're now telling us to start to use candles. We need to open up peat again and that will power things, at least until things improve. There's lots of timber on our roads. Those trees need to be cut down and then supply it to people as cheap fire uh, wood. And what else is that? Everything I wanted to mention it was, oh yeah, a couple of emails, quick emails. When we're talking about going green, somebody yesterday had said rather than the greenways, that the wonderful greenways that we're building, some people were saying wouldn't it be great if they brought the trains back, pop some trains, particularly down West Cork Way. And says, hi Patricia, a train from Bandon or the halfway would be a great, great start, saving on fuel and traffic jams and parking fees in the city. It would also welcome a park and ride at the Carrie-Crohan Straight Road, which would serve as parts of County Cork for visitors and workers alike to the city. And it would save parking fees at three euro per hour in the city. It would certainly bring a huge buzz back to the city as well. That's kind regards from Anne, emailing Patricia at c103.ie. And also an email asking me in if I could mention this because it is, it's actually for tonight, it's the Jamamwe Christmas Swim Fundraiser, that group. They're hosting Ahakira Drama Group tonight 
Coxesall in Domamweight 8 with a play called Drinking Habits. It's described as a two-act comedy not to be missed. All monies raised will go directly to Dunmanway Cancer Day Unit at the Cork University Hospital. The Christmas Swim fundraiser is in its 23rd year and would you believe to date they have already raised €300,000. It's an incredible sum of money. A great night of entertainment is guaranteed tonight. Your support will be much appreciated. So if you want a night of comedy and there's nothing like going to see a live show like that it really is great and if you're in Dunmanway it's on your doorstep Cox's Hall Dunmanway tonight at 8 good luck to everybody involved there now as more and more towns and villages get young people involved in the appearance of the town Junior Tidy Towns launched in Carrigaline last Saturday morning in the park and we sent our news reporter Mairead Tuig we went along and we asked her to find out all about it Oh wow, did you get lots of rubbish? Yeah. And are you excited to be here? Yeah, I got a glass and a lollipop stick. Oh wow. And uh, who's here helping you? Mama. She loves picking rubbish up on a regular basis. So we said we'd come down for the tidy town. So um, it's brilliant just to see it organised and it just be a normal part of coming to the park then for the two of us. Three-year-old Zia and her mom Mia were busy picking up rubbish at the launch of Cargilline Junior Tidy Towns. A major litter pick took place throughout the park after a talk about the ducks. Here's Deanna and her mom Mary. And you know what? I also found a glass and I and I got it even though I'm breaking. I know she loves it and I I was wondering to be part of it, but because a uh, Saturday we have other uh, activities to do. It has never been like the right time to do it, but today was definitely like a, we definitely have to go and you know make our part. <laughs> Seven-year-old Andre was there with his neighbour Sarah and says a like tire and paper and things of plastic. That's and how important is it to come down here to to the local park and pick up all the rubbish? Because then cork. Or then the ducks will eat it and they might die and get very sick. Sarah. And Sarah, you're here picking rubbish too. Are you having fun? Yeah. And wh- how much rubbish have you picked up? What kind of things? Um, same Andre. We're picking up as much rubbish as, I, as we Hi, I'm Cesar. They are really excited. They just wanted to come and pick up litter. Yes. Not even listening to the stories of the, the ducks and all of that because this is something that they, it's, it's great for them. AJ Quinn, Janita and Nicola were working together collecting litter. We're picking up rubbish to make the place better. Excellent. And how much rubbish have you got so far? Have you got lots? Yeah, we are having a little bit and we're having help with our friend. I'm two. You're two. <laughs> and what's your name? And are you picking up rubbish? I see you've got a stick here. And are you having fun? Yeah. Janisha? How important is it to, to pick up the rubbish? It's not nice to leave it around, sure it's not? No, it isn't. Because it depends. Because you will get global warming and those stuff. It will make the earth feel unwell. I think it's a great initiative to, to get the young people involved in keeping the, the town nice and clean, a bit of pride in our local area. And I know my two like to do it anyway, so it's brilliant for them to see other kids who think it's important as well. Chairperson of Carrigaline Tidy Towns, Liam O'Connor, says junior tidy towns will take place once a month. First Saturday of every month, um, we will meet here. Um, and then we're going to have various uh, projects in over the summer. Like, as I mentioned, we're going to be sowing sunflower seeds. We have a new uh, glass house being installed um, in the car park here in Carrigaline. 
Um, it's a fairly large uh, glass house, so we'll be able to get workshops inside um, if the weather is bad. And then they can sow wildflower seeds. Um, we have some raised beds. They can look at vegetables and that over the summer. So, yeah, exciting times. Minister for Foreign Affairs, Cargilline-based TD Simon Coveney says it's a brilliant initiative. A number of us have been hassling uh, the tidy townspeople to, uh, to take this initiative because there's a lot of young people who, to be honest with you, are, are more connected to and interested in issues like climate, nature, wildlife um, uh, and the sort of environmental well-being of their towns than perhaps their parents are. Uh, and, you know, we've seen that this morning. Huge turnout uh, from all ages, from, you know, two till ten, basically. Um, and, um, yeah, a couple of my daughters are involved as well. But, but, but I think this is a great initiative and the volunteers that drive the tidy towns here are just fantastic people. What? Isn't that fantastic? Those little ones that are picking up rubbish. What You know, I've got great hope for the next generation because if those children start at that very young age, they will never drop a piece of rubbish on the ground because they'll know what it was like to go out with their mums and dads picking up and doing litter picking. Well done. That's Carrie line Junior Tidy Towns. And I'm assuming our other groups going to run similar Tidy Towns groups. Let us know if you are. It's a, a brilliant, brilliant initiative. Now, just a quick couple of texts uh, in. Hi, Patricia. I just want to give credit to truck and haulage uh, drivers who are really going through a tough time at the moment with the rising costs of diesel. Let's remember in Covid times we had food on our shelves uh, and they still went out and about and did all of their work and now we're applauding some of them on the streets as they leave to drive donations to uh, the war victims of Ukraine. My son is three and he loves trucks. When he sees them he waves and jumps up and down. It always makes me emotional when they beep and wave back at him just making a kid's day. I think they are fabulous and deserve praise. Isn't that a lovely text? Bravo, says that text. So thank you. There's no name on that. Thank you. That's a, that's a really lovely text. So any truck driver or haulage driver listening at the moment, you are very, very much appreciated. And Anne says, fair play to Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners who joined us earlier. Isn't she a wonderful woman? But when she gets back, I fear for her, says Anne, she'll be traumatised with what she's going to witness, all of that de- devastation going on there and not being able to do anything to help. Listen, she's a I worry for her too but she's a mighty woman she'll come back re-energised and then as she says they're already and they haven't even met up with the refugees yet they're already planning how they can get help back out again but yeah let's keep Katrina in our thoughts and prayers and we are hoping fingers crossed on Monday to do a follow up with her because I'll be I'll be dying to hear how she got on over the weekend particularly when she'll, when she'll be getting to meet the refugees for the first time so we'll fingers crossed that we will have Katrina on on uh, Monday Michael and Bantry says Trish just to let you know her a cuckoo for the first time this year in Bale Nua in Bantry and I take it that's earlier than normal is it Michael? Hi Patricia the government should have abolished the local property tax for this year that surely would have helped families who are really really struggling with inflation uh, if anyone has already paid it they could have simply refunded those people it's a big bill to be paying at the moment especially with the price of food and fuel and uh, yeah a lot of people will agree with you on that because this is the month isn't it March if you haven't paid your local property tax that it has to be paid or if it's a direct debit it goes out in March March 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And we are going to the movies for some suggestions of things to watch this weekend. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Mark. 
Hi, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Now, you went along to see West Side Story. This is the remake of the classic West Side Story. And then your second movie is old. Here is a trailer from West Side Story. Oye, Javi! Ponle fuego! Vamos! Puerto Rican. Is that okay? I want to be happy here. I want to make a life at home. You keep away from him. I'm gonna think for myself. Get your shoes on. I want to dance. <laughs> I just even listening to that wants me to get up and uh, and dance. Now, I remember when we heard that they were going to do a remake of West Side Story, we spoke about it and said, you know, why would they even attempt a remake of West Side Story? Because it's such a classic movie. Yeah, and I, I don't think, I still don't think it's really necessary, you know. Um, but look, you have to give uh, Spielberg credit here. I mean, he does pull it off. I mean, um, it was a surprise to me just how good this is. It's not perfect in any way. I mean, if you were to put the two movies together and you were to ask me, you know, which I think is the better better movie, personally, I think it's it's the first film. Although in the minds of a lot of critics, they think that this has actually improved on the first film. They've done so in kind of a couple of ways. First of all, with the casting, uh, because um, the first film, the Puerto Rican characters were played mostly by white uh, actors and singers. That's not the case here. I mean, they're mostly Hispanic, and that's a very good thing. Also, the first film, most of the actors, I mean, Natalie Wood, you know, included, were dubbed. I mean, when you watch the first film, that's not Natalie Wood's voice. And so what he's done here is that he's asked most of the characters in the film to kind of sing their own songs. The other interesting thing as well is that um, a lot of the songs are actually sung live. And um, a lot of that was due to Ansel Elgort. Now, he said to Spielberg, look, I want to sing live. And Spielberg said, OK, and he does. Um, I only found that out afterwards because when I was watching it, I actually thought his voice at times was kind of weak. And maybe that's why. And maybe it would have been better to kind of have pre-recorded them and, and process them properly. And so they would have had um, a lot more impact. As far as the casting is concerned, I think the weak spot for me is Ansel Elgort. I think he was slightly a bit bland. You can say that for Rachel Zegler, who plays the character of Maria here. She was very young. I think she was only like 16 when they started filming and she is absolutely terrific the problem is for me is that I did watch the original a couple of years ago so it was still fresh in my mind and even though I told myself not to do it as I'm watching it I am comparing okay. all the time and um, and I, I try to say to myself look stop just enjoy it for what it is um, but it, they are very very similar they have changed things ever so slightly uh, Rita Moreno at the age of 90 is still uh, you know going strong and she's in this film and they've kind of wrote a character for her uh, she's also a, an executive producer here so there are slight little changes but a lot of it isn't I mean that opening sequence I mean one of the, op- the things about the opening sequence I don't know if you remember or not you've got the Jets and the Sharks and they do these they're, they're meant to be these two gangs that of course that uh, you know, just fight against each other. And all the boys are doing these kind of ballet moves. And I remember uh, back in my teens seeing this film and the next day in school talking with other boys about it. And they thought they hated the fact, you know, that these so-called kind of gangs were kind of using these kind of ballet moves, whereas I liked it, you know. And uh, as I said, look, look, it's a ballet musical. What they've done here, they've obviously addressed that carry, uh, that that uh, situation by making the boys a little bit more aggressive and making the dance moves a little bit more aggressive. I didn't particularly like that very much. I thought it was better done better in the first film. But that opening sequence is an extraordinary sequence. 
I mean, it's beautifully done by Spielberg. And Spielberg could have made a mess of this. He really, really could have. But he actually doesn't. And it's a, and you know, it's, it's a credit to him that in the trailer that you heard, uh, I like to be in America. That extraordinary sequence. Both films, I think. I think this match. This matches the original. If you remember, the original Rita Moreno was all kind of skirts and mm. beauty and and talent, and it was an extraordinary sequence. And I think um, Spielberg manages to match that. Um, there's very little humor in this film because I think they wanted it to be a little bit kind of grittier than the first film. And so one of the very few kind of comedic parts of uh, both films is the um, Officer Krupke uh, sequence. And uh, in the original, it was very, very funny. The brilliant Russ Tamlin was fabulous in that sequence. Here, uh, they set it in a kind of uh, in a police station and it's very different. It's much more aggressive. And um, and I didn't particularly like that very much. But that was one of the very, very few occasions, I think, throughout the whole film where I just felt that way because Spielberg, he really does very, very well here. The film looks beautiful. The cinematography is extraordinary. All the songs are there. And, um, and you know, something he, he pulled it off and I wasn't quite sure if he was going to. What I would say to people is who have never seen either of the films, maybe watch this one first and then watch uh, the, um, the, the, the original, original second. The original. I, you know, I think, it's a, I think it's, a, it's a lovely window, I think, to Leonard Bernstein, the music of Leonard Bernstein and this movie as well. I remember I saw this in the Opera House. It was a local, it was a Cork adaptation of this a few years ago and it was absolutely terrific. I do love the musical. If you were to ask me though, which do I think is the better film? I still think the original is. Okay, but Steven Spielberg, if anybody was to do it, the right man did it. Yeah, and there are times, you know, when he has dropped the ball ever so slightly, you know what I mean? Uh, like Indiana Jones 2 and 4. I mean, those really were poor. And that's when he takes his kind of eye off the ball, I think, sometimes, whereas he hasn't here. It's obvious that this was a passion to him. I read an interview with him years back where he said he wanted to do every kind of genre of film. So he's already done horror. He's already done action adventure. He's already done, uh, you know... Um, uh, what else did he do? He, but he's, he's, but the, the two genres I think that were left for him uh, were were a musical and a western. He's done his musical. Hopefully, he'll get that western done in the next few years because that's a, that's something I'd love to see. He has pulled it off, and fair use to him. I think it's uh, best director. I think uh, at the, it's got the Oscars. Seven, best. Yeah, it's got seven nominations. Yes, yes. So, yeah. and I'm not surprised. The film does look extraordinary, and some of the side pieces are amazing. And I say credit to you, Mr. Spielberg, because okay. he did well. All right, mark it out of ten. I'll give it eight. Eight out of ten. And the original? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, the original isn't perfect. Yeah. I do prefer it. Uh, so I'll give it a nine. A nine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so much I think the way... casting was way better as well, you know, because you had people like George Shakiris, you had Rita Moreno, you had uh, you had Ross Tamblin. I mean, uh, Natalie Wood. I mean, the cast of the original were extraordinary. Okay. Jane says, I, I saw West Side Story last week. I have to agree with Mark. I loved it. I never saw the original because I'm only in my 20s. Where would you get the original? I'm sure it's on some streaming service somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, it, it's, yeah. it should be that difficult. So yeah. yeah, it's worth digging it out. OK, your second movie this morning is a movie called Old. Yeah, this is uh, M. Night Shyamalan. And um, who's had a, a kind of a roller coaster career in Hollywood? He either produces movies that are really, really good, uh, you know, like Signs and uh, Unbreakable. And then he produces terrible films like Lady in the Water. And, um, and, 
but this, I suppose, if you were to put this, you know, in the line of his movies, I think this is kind of right smack at the middle. It's neither, it's okay. It's, an, it's, you know, it's like The Mist, which was one of his movies as well. It's kind of one of those films where you go, okay, it's not the best of Shyamalan, but it's not the worst either. It's okay. It's in there somewhere. And uh, the thing about Shyamalan, of course, is that he loves a twist. And yes, there is a twist in this film as well. So basically, we meet this family at the start of the film, this couple, uh, they have two kids. They're in the midst of a kind of a breakup. They're thinking of divorcing. They want to bring the kids on a holiday before they kind of break the news to them that uh, they uh, are splitting up. The the mother, it's been hinted, uh, isn't well and she has a medical condition. They find this extraordinary resort online, which seems to be too good to be true. Hello. And um, so they go and they believe, they realise, you know, for the cost of the month, the money that they've spent, it's a lavish resort and, um, and they're really enjoying themselves. And then one day the manager comes up to them and says, look, we've got this beautiful beach nearby come to the beach and uh, we'll set you up there down the beach and the kids will love it. So they bring the kids to the beach. M. Night Shyamalan does it himself. Um, M. Night Shyamalan does that kind of Hitchcockian thing where he puts himself in all his movies. Yeah, <laughs> He's a good director, but he's a terrible actor. So he shouldn't really do that. But anyway, uh, so he brings them to the beach. He takes off. The family realise that they're not alone on the beach. There are a number of other people on the oh. beach. Uh, one of them is, is Rufus Sewell, um, who is a, a doctor. Um, but he looks as though and seems as if he's got some kind of mental a mental kind of deficiency. Uh, we also realise that many others on the beach also seem to have medical problems. The thing about the beach, now I'm going to tell you what the film is about. I mean, there's a hint there in the, the, the title of the film. If you see the trailer, you'll know what the film This is not the twist. This is the actual story of the film. When they're on the beach, the, the, the ageing process of everybody on the beach is accelerated. And it's something you wouldn't really notice in adults. I mean, adults from the age of 30 to 40 kind of wouldn't change that much. But obviously, if you have a child who's eight years of age and the aging process accelerates really, really quickly, of course, you really notice it in the child. So I'm like, you know, how would you like it if your eight year old runs down to the end of the beach and comes back and goes, hey, mom, how's it going? Oh. And it's, compl <laughs> it's completely different. I mean, it, it, it must be shocking to every parent. And of course, it was to the parents here where all of a sudden their kids are suddenly teenagers. And the other thing, of course, is that because a lot of them have medical conditions, they um, the, the, the problems, the medical problems that they have, that too, uh, those two are also accelerated as well. They can't get off the island. And so that's then when the kind of horror aspects, you know, come to the fore. Um, I think I think we've, we've something we don't kind of look at and talk about very much in movies are, is our casting directors, and I think the casting directors do a fabulous job here, because they age. They don't use computers to age the children. They use. Uh, different actors from different ages to portray the children. And they all look the same. They all look very, very similar. And uh, and they do a terrific job. The horror, I think it's a 15 shirt. There are horror aspects uh, to it, but they're not that bad. They're not really completely over the top. I did have a kind of a sense, sense of an ease, though, watching the whole thing because you never really knew what was going to happen oh, next. It's it even did make, remind me. Yeah, it's even making me uneasy when you're talking about it. <laughs> it reminded me of a lot of those old kind of 50s and 60s kind of horror movies. It's, it's done in that kind of very weird kind of stilted kind of way. And I enjoyed that about it. Okay. Uh, Rufus Sewell's performance is very, very odd and weird. Uh, it's a 15 shirt, as I say. There are horror elements to it. Uh, there is and a twist. And so I stay, still stay, recommend stay it. Stay for the twist. It's called Old Market out of 10. 
I'll give it a 7. 7 out of 10. All right. Thanks for that, yeah. Mark. Have a lovely week. And uh, we won't chat with Mark next week. Thank you for that. We won't chat with Mark next week because we'll have a public holiday. Uh, we'll be back with him the following week. OK, that's where I wrap it up for today. Very much looking forward to uh, co-hosting the Cork Civic Life, the Pride of Cork Awards tonight at the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs. If you're one of our recipients, looking forward to seeing you there when the creme de la creme of Cork are going to be uh, honoured. And it's just fantastic to be going out to a black tie, tie affair I am beyond excited OK that's so I leave you thanks to John Paul McNamara who uh, produced Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you at 10 o'clock on Monday morning until then I'm Patricia Messenger enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a lovely weekend and stay safe Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to CMIG Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.